Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Okay. And we are live. We're live. We're live. We're live. We're live. Okay, it's being creepy again. How is that creepy? You're just creepy. You're like the little brother that's like, don't touch me. Your hands are dirty. You have germs, you know? That's only because you sent me out to get the herbs. What are you talking about? I never send you to get anything, okay? I have everything I need in my cabinet. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. Except for the creepy stuff. A good witch is always prepared. <laughs> not a good witch. A good I was about to say, just for... You're not that uh the, the good witch. A shaman woman is always prepared. There you go. There you go. There we go. Well, I hope we could call me a witch. Somebody called me a pagan last week. Oh, really? That was great. Yeah. She says, Marcella, I hope you will release all these paganistic views and practices and find Allah and embrace them. And I said, Stop right there. I'm Catholic. <sighs> Man. This is Man. this is why. Hey, I was going to be on your side on this one, okay? Yeah, Lord. exactly. That's what I'm talking about. She's the go the little dog next door. That's what I told her. Or the kid in the playground who's running around pushing the other kids because their mom's not watching. Well, you have a pushable Troll face. Bullies. So. I have what? You have a pushable face. You have a punchable face. <laughs> At least it's yeah. my, not my throat. So. Right in your right in your nose. You don't need it to be any bigger. Wow. And you don't need to get any older either, but after a couple centuries of being on, on this earth, you know. And I still look this good, Mac. How old are you? Thirty? Forty two. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're so horrible to me. You know this. Speaking of I being around for a very about. long time, you know, our next guest today has given us a great spin on history and empowerment and everything in between with, with her book, Rise of the Ravenisha by P. Grace Lawson. And as I was reading this, I was honestly, the first thing I thought was, 
this could be Marcella in some way. Uh, but we'll get to that in in a, in a little bit. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring her up here. Hi, Pam. Hey, hi, Pamela. Hello. So we're going to really just jump into this because I, I, I do have some very interesting questions uh, on the behind the scenes part of this. But I'm going to let uh, Marcella do her thing at the beginning. So... Marcella. <laughs> Hi, Pamela. How are you? Hi. You're looking oh, lovely today. Thank you. <laughs> so, oh, thank you, C-Mac. She said it to me, not you. Anyway, oh, so we like to start this off by asking you okay. to describe your book in six words or less. Okay. Female empowerment, wear panthers, sisterhood, women warriors. That's seven, but we'll give it to her. Six. It's the year of the sevens, okay? It's good luck. I took off the end. <laughs> year. Okay. Put a comma or an ampersand in there somewhere, right? They, a they, semicolon. There, there, it is. Is. there it is. Okay. Well, please introduce yourself a little bit to our uh to our audience, please. Because you've got a lot to lot to say on this. You know, I do. And this is, oh my God, I'm such a long-winded person, but I'll try to be, you know, brief here. Um, I was born and raised in Talladega, Alabama. And yes, my childhood and upbringing really impacted um, my life. And I would say the characters in the book, the the story, mm -hmm. I have a BA in anthropology from UC Berkeley. Ooh. I worked a variety of jobs throughout my adult life, all of which I hated with a passion. <laughs> and I discovered horseback riding late in life. And my joy actually led to me writing this book because I had a bad fall off of a dang trail horse. Who falls off of a trail horse in the Poconos? I do because I had the canter. <laughs> and I didn't realize, you know, Western riders, they just be, they kick the horse to go and I write English. So anyways, that fall was the catalyst for, for me writing this book. To distract my mind from the pain, I just asked myself, what if there were these women warriors and what if they shapeshifted into wear panthers? And so when I returned to California, I I wrote the story in about three months. Wow. And I had never written a story before. People had suggested that I should be a writer throughout my life. But I never, but I didn't even consider it at all because when you're born in the South, you're expected to be a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a dentist, something like that. But definitely nobody is encouraging you to be a writer. Right. So I really came about this late in life. And I'm trying to look at it in a positive <laughs> manner because I, I think that if I had started writing, for instance, directly out of college, I wouldn't have a life experience that I have right. now. And when I wrote this book, I didn't I didn't know what I was gonna write when I wrote it. I am the type of writer I, I have a, a a basic outline 
But then mm-hmm. I just write. And I thought I was going to be a writer like a, a P.D. James or a James Lee Burke and have this all of this beautiful blowing passages. And no, that's not what came out. And instead, I wrote this book. And even though it does have some historical elements to it, it's 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 meant to be fun. It's meant to, if you're reading the book and you have a, you know, you chuckle every now and then, I feel like I accomplished my goal. Um, it's, yes, it's, it's, it's over the top, you know, it's almost, um, I don't want to say cartoonish, but you have the superheroes, you have these were panthers who, who eat people and I deliberately made it that way and it's, it has paid off. So that's true. That is very, very true. Yes. Everybody's, uh, commenting of some where the main comments are oh this should be a movie i can see this as a movie so i am now working with voyage media with the producer with amanda toya toye and we're working on a pitch deck that she's going to pitch to production companies nice amazing that's nice so wait we skipped something we skipped something no we didn't max frozen i'm here we forgot to ask one of our most important questions Uh Yeah, yeah. Um, what is the most private thing you'd be willing to admit right here and right now? <laughs> I'm gonna say, uh, you know what? <laughs> I listened to your the other broadcast, and I, I, I got. I hope they don't ask me that. that. <laughs> um, the most private thing. Oh my goodness, I would. Say say the most private thing you know what i am torn <laughs> of course uh, i am i i i i am I, I don't mind saying my age i'm 58 just january 13th was my birthday oh happy birthday yeah i'm a single woman so my most private thing is i i would like to um probably meet somebody someday because I have this attitude of being really aloof and ooh, I don't care and, and just as long as I have my horse I'm okay but yeah wow well that was interesting Max cannot stand being surrounded by this much much estrogen I'm telling you are you kidding me really no even though everybody, every woman I know tells me I'm, I'm how lucky I am, it's just like you really don't want, and they're they're like you really don't want to meet anybody. <laughs> Be happy you're single. People tell me this all the time. <laughs> Anyways, as we remove ourselves from the dating game and back into the book, <laughs> you asked. Wow, wow, man, I'm. Just, I don't know if I can survive this recording now. Um, so here's here's a, some interesting aspects of this book. Like you said earlier, there, there's a lot of history based in this as well. Um, these are really strong, powerful Black women that are uh, our main protagonists, uh, dualists in this. Um, 
And I had a question in regards to the origin of these these uh, women. Um, when in the beginning, when you're telling us about their history a little bit, um, these women come from Africa very, uh, very early in the or was it mid 1600s, give or take. Mm -hmm. And when I'm reading this and understanding history and the way that we try to adapt in terms of putting a little bit of fiction into our reality, um, one of the things that obviously majority of us still understand and are aware is that when Africans were brought from Africa to the Americas and, and put into slavery, many people thought at one point it was the white people that came and got them. The Americans came, got them, bring them back. However, we all understand that now, and should, if you don't, then you need to really look at your history. Black people, other tribesmen, were those that actually caught them and sold them into slavery. I want to know who is the rival tribe of the Ravenitia and what was their reasoning? Was it greed? Was it, uh, was it just uh, revenge or was it just the fact that they wanted their land? I made it um, a, oh boy, Nigerians don't, don't get on me, but... <laughs> I remember I, in the book I mentioned their neighbors, uh, the, the Nigerian neighbors that they were having <laughs> skirmishes with. And what was the second? I was just trying to figure out what for, was their reasoning. Oh, their reasoning for for selling them. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're getting rid of. They're getting uh, several things. They're getting paid, and they're getting rid of these enemies who's kicking their butts. <laughs> So it was more of a mixture of greed and revenge. Right. right. Got it. And it just happened to work in uh, Queen Idea's favor. Mm -hmm. So the, the reason why I was asking that is because I always find that when I'm bringing history into a story, there always has to be the reasoning behind it and like, Sometimes I think like maybe it is a love story that just went wrong uh, or any of the greed, you know, the basic things that we, we go after when we're writing. Um, but as we're going along in this story, I you've also explained that these women are very supernatural. They live a very long time. But when in that, they are very powerful. They, they're stronger, they're faster, you know, the, the basic concepts of, you know, something being so supernatural. Almost like Amazon women? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah. And you would know since you're from that tribe. Um, so the thing that I really he look at. He thinks he's insulting me. I'm, I did not think that. I was trying to actually. Uh oh. Say he's something. frozen again. again. See what I do to him when he's snarky? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, okay. So Mac is frozen. I'm yes. going to take over at this point, which he's going to hate. Miss Pamela. Yes. 
I didn't read your book. You know, I don't read the books. You watch the show. You know, I don't read them. I will get to it. Actually, I remember now I gave your book to my goddaughter because I felt she needed empowerment. And she says, I cannot wait to read this, to delve into it. So I need to message her and ask her if she started it. But are there any characters in your book, the main character, maybe, Mm -hmm. who is based on you? Oh, my gosh. Well, that would be a yes. And you're right. It is Teddy. Um, Like Teddy, (laughs) I, I have the Napoleon complex. And my family, I am the shortest one at five five, and it just sticks in my oh man! I just like I'm always why can I have been taller? And I wish I was taller. And I had the long hair before. I just did the big chop two years ago, but it's always been wasteland all of my life. And but it didn't seem to matter, you know, or it mattered too much. For instance, like an ex brother in law told me that was my best feature. I'm just like, really? That's my best feature? So, um, and Teddy and I, you know, we share our love of horses. Uh, She is a little weird. I'm a little weird. She's really good at weapons. I just wish I was really good. Like, I wish I was this badass shooter and could use knives and all of that. we're both um, into the just the arcane knowledge, you know. And when I think in one, she she's telling them, uh, seeing she's telling them something, and the other character says, "Who cares about that? <laughs> you know, who cares that you know all this little stuff that nobody cares about?" <laughs> so yes, it would be Teddy. Well, you know, I could definitely see that for sure. And could you please keep your spirits under control? I'm trying to be nice to you right now, Marjola. Please. Okay. I have no control over how they protect me, Maccabee. I was giving you a compliment of being a very strong. Oh, my gosh. I'm not so sure about that. And you know, Maccabee, when you called her centuries old, this same brother, ex-brother-in-law, every time I see him, he has cracking something about me being century old or or don't don't put a spell on him. <laughs> Look, here's the only reason why I say that to her, because I don't have a lot of things I can mess with her about. OK, she is my older sister, so I have to have at least something to work with here. And he's not physically here to poke me and I can't say stop touching me, you know. So she has to send her spirits yeah. after me. So I don't do it. I don't send them. You just don't understand. You mess with me. And then all of a sudden your screen is frozen. It's like, wow, great. He's not speaking anymore. The, the karma, the, the instant karma is just not fun. For instant me karma. It's not Who fun. Who's saying that? George Harrison, right? I think that was. I don't remember. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm trying to remember what my question was. Um, oh, okay. So going with how you've created them. Uh, Tidley and uh, Leslie and is it Keola? Ciola. Ciola. Okay. I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. I was making that right. But with these very powerful independent women, it is the aspect of their bringing brought in as slaves, working on the plantations, and they're outperforming every single slave that's already on this plantation. 
and they're being, you know, looked at very closely because of what they're being able to do. What has this done to the other slaves in your mind? Has it really, is there a contempt because they're making them look bad or is it just they're happy because all the attention's on them kind of thing? In my mind, they're happy because the attention is on them and it's and it uh, lessens some of their load. And And of course, the other slaves know what they really are. And I, I view them as this this large family where the tribal differences have been put aside, and they're all just trying to survive in this new and strange land. Because when I'm looking at that, I'm glad you said that because I I definitely want to believe that because they come from a different culture, they come from different. Uh, let's just be honest, a different world in general, the idea of these powerful women, these entities that are there to protect them in some way, shape or form, or at least take the blunt of all of this violence. When I'm also looking at it, I'm realizing that there is a glimpse of some type of folk uh, lore that you have attached to these women to this that's based off of real uh culture a real uh div device uh, what's the word i want to say diversity diversity in your history that you're creating which um which culture did you really try to generalize more is it like nigerian was it uh, South African, what, because I remember you saying that you were, you went to school for anthropology. So what did you really base their lore off of? Uh, I would say, gosh, I didn't really base the lore. I, I actually feel like I did more of that with uh, a city and butterfly and the Aztec and culture, but for these women, they, they're, based off of the real uh Dahomey Amazons and okay. so or the fun. So that's uh basically um what I based their culture off of. But I didn't I didn't want to um attach too much to that because I, I, I had other stories to tell. For instance, I, I had to bring them to the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, uh, that's what you know. People tell me I have a lot of books in that one story, <laughs> but it's true. It really is because when you're looking at just their origins alone, it, it's it's kind of interesting the aspect of um, how much detail is put into the world building, into the architecture of these characters that you've created, and they all have their their own personalities that are one is like you said is very upfront doesn't take crap from anybody one is more of yeah exactly yeah yeah uh napoleon complex um the, even though she's very tall or actually yes yes she's the one who's very tall yes yes um then you have obviously one is very a little bit more diplomatic 
in the trying to keep everything yeah. yeah and then of course you have the one that's the quiet one that you know once they start talking that you screwed up yes yeah, so when she always said when Marcello's asking what these inspirations are and who these people are I want people to understand that this is not just to me this is not just one person or three different people mm -hmm. this is one person because when we're looking at them there's such a variety in there to mm -hmm. really bring out their very individuality but here's here's one of the reasons why i'm saying that is because when we're introduced to rufus who is a mm -hmm. generational is the latest um generation of this plantation owner and everything um he's a dick just straight up he's a dick and i just i i i wanted to i honestly say i i with with the most truth i can explicitly put to you without putting any spin on it or any more colorful words than that i cannot wait till this guy dies I, I was there were so many points where i was like i th this guy's ego is so up there i cannot wait until he's just eaten just like his dad um which by the way very interesting on what was left behind on that one by the way and, and you guys don't have, ask me more i i I'm just, I'm just thinking on that one. I'm like, it just what came to me as I was I, writing. Well, I don't have any reason. You no, know, why not? Just leave that piece out there, you know. And you have to read exactly. You have to read it to understand which ones we're talking about. But um, the other thing, when I was looking at this, is like they're always talking about the granddaughters, they're always talking about the granddaughters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about grandsons? Can they not have any boys when they are impregnated? Or is this just all? And if they are, if they do have boys, are they part of a diff different tribe? Are they considered like watchers? Or what's the what's the lore on that? That is I know they don't have boys, although I am changing that in a future novel and that's why um doing one part of it when idea is talking she remember when she said that she had an ally mm -hmm. in the Benin government but they will, he would only help her if men could also be made you know into the were panthers right because when i'm looking at their their husbands by the way these guys have no backbone whatsoever um the uh, Asoro, which I think is ironic that you you grab a historical figure from Benin that was one of the most upfront and brave men in the Benin history because he didn't take any crap. He was right there, but yet uh, uh Ciola's husband yeah. is not yeah. right what was the thought process behind that that is at one point when she's berating him 
And she's wondering what happened to this brave warrior? What's changed him over the years and his life living as a black man in America? I mean, at this point, they're so beat down that they're just trying to to just survive just day to day. And and you wonder why I act the way I do, Marcella. Oh goodness. <laughs> She's gonna get up here right now. Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, you said you wanna know why I well, the reason why I asked the question is because I'm a writer. And I find a lot of times I base characters on people that I'm very friendly with or close to. And then there's that one person who I just couldn't stand. And I said, well, I'm going to kill them in my book. Okay. And I will create an entire character for that person and the entire scene just so I can kill that person off. Okay. Who, who was Rufus's uh, father then? Because I really want to know what that guy did. Remember, Rufus's father was uh, Zebulon? Yes. And he um, was really uh, more into the science and he recognized Rufus's genius. And so he was more, he was just really all about trying to harvest the the power of these women because that's what, you know, if you're a super... Uh, being or or you have these strange or great superior powers, then somebody's always going to want to take it from you or, or you know. So that was Rufus's father who actually I I was trying to not soften the men over the years, but he's the one Ciola would have these long talks with um while they were still trying to sabotage his every move, you know, that he would make, like, destroying the labs, destroying the blood samples. But I I tried to make it so that he treated them more humanely. Yeah. And Rufus actually wasn't a bad person to start out with. No, he wasn't. It was only when the uh, he thought that they killed his father, Zebulon. Yeah that he decided to make their lives hell. Oh, yeah, putting a color around somebody and electrocuting mm-hmm. them every once in a while, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was it was very interesting, the fact that, you know, he made that statement, you know, you're nothing but animals. That's what you are. Mm-hmm. You're an animal. So, of course, mm-hmm. you're going to have the color around you. Um, and notice he doesn't answer when they ask him, why do you want to be so like us? Yeah, exactly. Um, And this is when he's getting older and, you know, getting a little more sick as well. So Uh there's Uh always something within that bloodline that's, in a way I was looking at, I was like, honestly, I think they're, it's not really protecting the, the tribe, but mostly just protecting him from himself because Maybe there's something in the blood that can, if transferred into a guy, it could really just hurt them in some way, shape, form. It could kill them instantly, in a way. But it, it to me, there was a lot of little little tidbits here and there, these small little clues of why they were doing it, and you know, the idea of we keep our promises 
you know, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know anything about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that really hit him hard too. It really hit him hard yeah. on that. So I want to, the last question I have for you is um, when we're looking at these granddaughters and mm-hmm. the idea that they are the next generation of these Ravenishas, mm-hmm. One of the things that really hurt me the most was that when Ciela was saying, I don't even know their names. And it really hurt me because I was looking in history as that's exactly what slavers did. They they tore families apart. So you don't even know anything about them. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try to put you to the test a little bit here Uh in, in, in your, in your, in your writing thought process, in your creativity. So let's say that at an early, when they first got there, so the the three ladies got to the Americas Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what if they were torn up, tore apart, they were separated Mm -hmm. and they had their own families. What would be a, story that you would give to we'll say lizzie at this point and creating a family lore for her that could be i could kill you but (laughs) (laughs) you know gosh now that you have me thinking along those lines that would just that would be oh my god that would really be an epic novel because it would change everything we wouldn't i don't think we would have a new generation but they wouldn't be they wouldn't have the powers that this that right. this new generation that they have i mean they they would be um more like their mothers and you wouldn't have had uh, Rufus and his doggone mm-hmm. nefarious medical experiments or anything. And of course, at some point they they would be separated, but at some point that I'd have to have them meet up and, and discuss. Well, actually they would know mm-hmm. that their mm-hmm. friends were out there. They would know that they, they because they're best friends. Right. So they would know that, okay, they're separated and their friends are somewhere and they would spend a large part of the novel trying to find each other and, and discover that they've had, you know, daughters and these daughters also have the ability to shapeshift into were panthers. But I don't know. I kind of like the one I had. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I got that. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the father. The dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, I I like to do that every once in a while to authors that I know can do it because I, I always like to think, what if you did this yeah. and see if yeah. you could still keep the same story or if there is even a sensible thought of a sub uh, sub novel in there in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wouldn't just be a sub novel, man. That would that, that would. Ooh. That would be 
again, epic because I would have to construct the lives of all three of them. Yeah. And I, if people are confused now about my sister, <laughs> you know, oh my God, what would happen then if I'm just if all three of them they got their separate families and oh yeah. <laughs> so well I, I love doing that. And I, I thought this would be a good way of ending my part of this. So I'm going to turn it back over to Marcella and allow her to have her spill as well. Okay. Because I'm trying to get her to After talk. I more. Got- yeah, no, you know what? Because I started falling asleep when Mac was talking because he talks so much. I was just like, oh, God, here we go again. I'm going to have to get some coffee next time. Anyway, see, look, he's frozen. <laughs> no, that's not me. That, that's just me trying to be good and try to stay on, yeah. still connected because, you know, yeah. your spirits. So I think I only have two questions because I really lost my train of thought there. Mac, sorry, you just went off on this tangent and it was like shut up (laughs) anyway miss pamela i have to ask this because um i have three questions for you the first one is um what is your writing kryptonite i have too many ideas and on the one hand you would think it would be positive but no no i i i get (laughs) I get bogged down in my own writing because I want to add everything. And it's really hard to simplify that. Who knew that it would be hard to just to to simplify a, a storyline here and, and not want to add, you know, everything that comes into your head. But yeah, it, it is hard. I don't know which one to ask next. So I'm going to do this. Um, is there a famous quote? What keeps you going? Something that you you subscribe to and you go back to and you say, okay, this is going to get me to the next level. Yes. Um, when you have a dream, you've got to grab it and never let go. And I, I intend to be drawn to quotes that deal with pursuing your dreams and and never giving up and i don't know langston hughes uh quote word for word i used to have it pinned up on the wall but it's the one about the butterfly and and how important it is to, to be free and i i have to keep those that 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 concept in my mind because it's so easy to give up and I have wanted to give up so many times. I, I didn't mention at the beginning about my parents' deaths when I was 11. They both died in the same year, but not at the same time. And my sisters and I, we had been living just this idyllic life uh, up until their deaths. And so things really changed after they died. And so it's just been a common thing. I just, just I can't give up. I can't give up. I uh, attended a de facto segregated school. And why did I apply to UC Berkeley? That's because after our parents died, the relatives would send us out to California for the summers. And I had a cousin who was going there at the time. And I was just enchanted, to be honest, by the hip. There were still hippies on the campus. And it was just a whole different vibe, a whole different world. So stupid me. I didn't apply to any other school. 
uh, when I was a senior and I got in and it was rough. I, again, I had to tell myself, don't give up, don't give up. And it wasn't because I, I wasn't smart enough. It was because I attended a de facto segregated school. For instance, my math skills were horrible, but my writing, I had no problems. So thank you, Ms. Mosley. Thank you so much, you know, for instilling those writing skills. But they mean, but again, this is all of my life. I've had to tell myself, don't give up, don't give up. We, but I, I've fallen off of a horse. I so it wasn't a quote, it was you. Yeah. I can't tell you how many how times I've fallen. I like that. And I've wanted to give up. And so it's like, don't give up. Uh, my last question is just going to be, what's next? Well, I uh, mentioned at the beginning that I am working with Voyage Media. Um, so to, to have the book adapted into a series. And, oh boy, I will have to confess the first writer did not work out. But they have a new one on board and I am liking him. I think he can do it. And I have completed Rogue Ravenisha, which is a sequel. And it is really more about the, the girl's story about Teddy and Freddie. And they're going more into their powers. And Teddy becoming more mature and not just flying off the handle at people and wanting to kill them because they done got on her nerves. And that sounds familiar. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just working on my stories. I've started on my third one, Revenge of the Ravenisha. And I am just hoping that I'll have a chance, you know, to share those stories with the world. Well, we thank you for this because I think it's really fun to just look at the, how lore and history can actually mix together. And I think having books out there that are empowering people in some way, shape or form, no matter who you are, uh, really is something that people need to, to have at least on their shelves. And uh, and when they're not feeling you know, their, their strongest that they can go to and say, you know what, I wanna be like this character right here. So, Pamela, this is the time where we have the selfless promotions for our authors. Please tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your book, any events or anything. The floor is yours. Okay. My book is in the local bookstore here in Elk Grove, where I live. It's called A Seat at the Table. It can be purchased on Amazon. But I, I really like for support to go to the the local independent bookstores. And I really, this one is close to my heart because it embraces everybody. Um, people of color, people from marginalized communities. And uh, the owner has just been so supportive of me. I've given um, a workshop on people if you want to you know self-publish and again they've just been so supportive of me um throughout my process i am setting up the ability for people to also purchase the book from my website which is www.pgracelawson.com so 
And if you go to that website, there will be a button that will take you to Amazon as well as to a seat at the table. Well, thank you, Pamela. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you. It was a joy talking to you. Oh, it's always great. All right, Marcella. Oh, she's great. She's great. This is a win for you. One. Wow. Hey, now, wait a minute. I've had another win before, too. I've had a couple of wins. Leparco. I've had a few more than just Leparco, okay? And you, I have it on record. Oh, yeah. you, you've stated it before, so I have it on record. I'm going to go back and figure out which ones they were, but I have more than just these two. Dang it. You're not going to win this one. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So... She's fabulous. And I, I was telling her, I lent the book to Angelica mm -hmm. um, when she was flying back home. So I just messaged her to ask her if she read it so she can bring it back to me <laughs> and I can read it. Yeah. There you go. Well, and, and again, it, it's definitely one of those uh, very empowering uh, books. Um, there, it is historically accurate in some of the grammar, um, but it, it has to be honestly. So uh, I think it is definitely one that should be on people's shelves. And I think when you actually start reading it and you start to really feel something like I did, again, I not even chapter three, I still want, I already wanted to, wanted her to kill off Rufus so quickly. Uh, I mean, when you have somebody... Uh, Stop with the spoilers, Mac. I hate when you do that. I, I'm just saying you're going to enjoy the idea of... Yeah, but now person. I know that there's a character in there you hate, and I'm going to want to like that person. Oh, this would be interesting then when you start reading it. I want to know what you think. I really do. All right, we'll see. All right folks. This is the time that we uh, sign off, but in the near future... You can get onto our Patreon and as well as maybe a few other places and have uh, a chance to learn a little bit more about uh, our authors. We are setting that up. So you're going to have a few, uh, what's the word I want to say, um, exclusives to these authors' personal life. Uh, not too personal, but just enough that they're willing to give up. And ours. And ours, too, yes. So, who knows? We just may do that to each other at one point, too, just to, just to spice it up just a little bit. So, anyways, I'm going to uh, let it go here. And, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. 
So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing, inspiring, and sharing as you go beyond the pen.